You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Have you missed us, Sid Talk? Have you, missed, I, have you missed this uh, wonderful show? Have I missed it? Do you want me to tell the truth or yes. do you want me to lie? Um, I kind of liked getting out of routine, yes. So I didn't miss it terribly. So Sid Talk hates you all. I do not usual. hate you all. You ask me, I'm answering mm-hmm. you honestly. I don't like routine, and so when I get to break away from it, anyway, I'm, I'm sure the listeners. Oh, anyway, you just—they don't really care. Do I'm you? sure the listeners have mi- have missed us, possibly, uh, and good because they're going to get a double dose this week, uh, as we're going to bring them two after the shows, as to keep in our, um, you know, flow, uh-huh. keep the flow going. Anyway, Sunday, February the twenty eighth, two thousand and ten, and this is after the show number one hundred and ten. And uh, this week we're going to be looking at the movie Whip It on Blue Way. Blue, Blue Way? Blue Way. I've turned into Jonathan Ross there for a second. Uh, <laughs> Whip It on Blue Way. That's nice. Make fun of a man with a speech impediment. Oh, yeah, it's all right. Um, and this is a 2009 movie released on Blu ray on Tuesday, the 26th of January. Um, it's from our friends at Fox, and you're going to tell us what it's all about. It is about a young girl who is being sent in one direction in her life by her well-meaning mother who finds out maybe she's not that into the little box that she's maybe being put into. She discovers roller derby in a nearby bigger city and is a coming-of-age story, fish out of water, um, you know, all that kind of stuff, kind of pursuing the idea that you don't get told who to be in your life. Some people do, and they follow that. and then, Or you figure out what you really want to do, and you go for it. Regardless of what is laid, like the path that's laid out in front of you, you might have to veer off of that. Yeah, it's not, not like a new tale. No, We've seen this kind of story. It's just the retelling of the same yeah. story. But anyway, and um, also, I know that this is Drew Barrymore's first director, first movie she's directed which I find really hard to believe because she's been in the business so long (laughs) it's crazy that it took this long for her to make a movie Um, anyway Whip It Um, I really thought it was absolutely fantastic (laughs) fantastic really fun I I actually thought it was fantastic I mean it's really fun Um, it's some could say it's, it's like a girl power kind of movie almost. It's but, got a lot of self-indulgent and stuff going on. It's got some stuff like that. It's also got, like, it's sentimental. It's got it's got some stuff. But I actually thought it was fantastic. It's, like, really fun. The roller derby thing, I'm not familiar with at all. I've never seen it. Or I think it should be an Olympic sport. It's, it's really fun to watch. Um, and the, I don't know if it's like this in real life, but it's just really fun. The, the, they have interesting names and cool costumes. Is that what it's like in real life? I well, don't... the lady who wrote it is in Roller Derby, so right. I'm thinking it probably is. So, I mean, I like to watch Roller Derby. It just looks fun. And it's real simple to understand. It's not exactly rocket science, the rules. In fact, they go into a scene on this to try and tell you the rules, and it literally takes them, like, ten seconds yeah, yeah. to understand how it, how the scoring works. Um but I just thought it was really, you know, it's it's not like a Oscar caliber movie or anything, but it's absolutely like fun and directed well. And I love the cast, you know. I feel like there were times when we talk about the different people, it was a little bit 
a little too much uh, fun on the set, maybe occasional. I don't know how to describe it, yeah, but, but there were moments ac- when cross, right? they were a little too... I don't know. I don't like that Zoe woman at all. She's just a little too comfy and everything. I don't know what it is, but... I read a lot of fun with it, and I thought some of the moments between the mother and daughter, really straightforward, really Actually, good, really touching. The, mo- and the moments between the father and daughter yeah, were really good excellent, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll talk about the cast later, but the guy who plays the father, I thought he did an amazing job. Because... You know, there was part. And it's pretty sentimental. There was parts where I actually felt emotional. Ah. You know, because I, you know, you can understand stuff. I mean, there is some interesting. Yeah, I totally understood the two friends who are girls, teenagers, kind of outcast-ish, being treated like shit by the football player and the cheerleader people, and how they've bonded. And then, of course, at the first drop of a boy outside of that relationship or something else, then some turmoil might happen between them. And it's completely true Yeah, <laughs> that when your friends who are girls and your teenagers get interested in something else, they will drop you so fast. Same I with don't boys. care how loyal they are. No, it's the same with boys. Is it? Yeah, well, like when I was at high school, as soon as some of my friends got girlfriends, you're not important anymore. Really? Right. You're not, like, because that's what they're doing. And if you're not doing that with them, then you're not involved. So it's the same. It's yeah. the same. I guess. But, I mean, this movie's all yeah, from... Yeah, I don't a, care about boys. I don't care about girls. Yeah, and this movie's <laughs> all from a girl's side, so, you sure. know, girls will relate more. But I I was relating to it, is what I'm saying. It's a universal yes, kind of deal. Yes, very, very. And, um, yes, there are some moments which are a bit... Uh, I, I don't know how to say it, but there's a moment in a swimming pool that seemed c- kind of completely unnecessary in a way. I don't know. No, I found that I would that have preferred a straightforward. Oh, no, no, It seemed like me. they were just doing that to not make me. it look interesting. Partly that, but I also got in my mind... We're talking about an intimate moment in a swimming pool. I also got in my mind, this young woman is making a memory in her life, right, that is impactful. It's not just fumbling in the back of a car and there's one more boy that you might ding around with before and get your heart broken, whatever. It's actually a pivotal moment that she will remember forever. And it had to be different than just, you know, in the back alley somewhere or in his apartment or in the back of a car. So I understood that. Right. I agree. It was kind of for the visual. But I also thought this is a... You know, it's something she, that character as a person, a woman, will grow and remember for her whole life, the whole package, the good and the bad, and that moment, like, she'll never get that back. So I understood it. But yeah. again, that's self-indulgent thing. Mm-hmm. And the round table of sort of the older women, I mean, Drew Barrymore, Juliette Lewis, um, that Zoe woman, they're all just a little too pally and a little too, eh, yeah, but they don't again, I'm pull not- off. They're acting parts to me well, as well because they're a little too chummy. Yeah, and Drew Barrymore a little too cool for has school. directed this movie and she also has a starring part in it. But she's kind of, you know, distanced herself from people, the main people, hasn't she? She, she yeah. didn't really make herself a focal part. And we'll go into the cast later, but I actually think Zoe Bell's the worst actress in. Really bad. She's really bad. I mean, she should be a stunt woman and not an actress. It, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's not good. It's and like it's, everyone treats her like some kind of goddess, right? So she gets a little too cocky, and everybody's like, "Oh, Zoe, whatever," and she's probably hot shit. 
But then she gets on the screen, and even in this context, where they're like a rowdy bunch of women doing their thing, but she's she just a little too, you know, I don't know. I, that was one of the things. But other than that, other than those, a few of those moments, but the, I really enjoyed but it. But the biggest thing for me with this was, I've seen the trailer for it. We saw it a few weeks ago when we were reviewing something else. And I, you know, looking at the cover of it, I expected to hate it. I thought it was going to be like... Me too. I you know, wasn't looking forward to it. Whenever I see Ellen Page, I think of Juno now. It's like automatic. I liked Juno, but I thought this was going to be like, you know... Super- it has its moments. It does have its moments where it... Are we ta- are we, pretentious is probably the word. Where it kind of creeps into the pretentious zone, like... I never felt like it was becoming pretentious, but I felt like there Juno, were times I when mean, it was... You know, like, Juno has that air of, like... Trying like, a little I'm too trying to be... To be cool. You know, when... Yeah, in fact... One of the things she says in here where them kids say to her, are you alternative now? And she says, alternative to what? Well, I feel like Juno had this. I mean, it was written by Diablo Cody and it had this kind of trying to be a bit off kilter here with this movie, you know. And this, I thought, when I saw the cover and she was in it and I've seen a bit of the trailer, I thought it's going to be that kind of movie, which I kind of had enough of, you know. But it wasn't that kind of movie. It was straightforward. Like championing the alternative girl. Yeah. Who like, just... Like his, you know, like... Napoleon like Dynamite Napoleon and Dynamite, Anything like that where it's like, here's the odd people. And like, here's their little story. Well, yes, she is kind of different to other girls. But it's almost like that kind of girl's becoming common. Like, like you... They are common anyway. But yeah. the perception is that they aren't. And so you want to champion them every chance you get when they're just a dime a dozen just like everybody girl, else. They're yeah. just like a cheerleader. Only they're trying not to be a cheerleader. It's the opposite. Yeah. But they're they're a pack. They're a pack of beasts just like cheerleaders. But I expected, I, mean? <laughs> all, I expected all that. And there know. were moments. Where and there were like, moments, for sure. But not as... But not all the time. Mm-mm. And there were some moments where you could just totally root for this girl and she, I think she's really good mm-hmm. and there's just parts where you know with her and a friend interacting just small parts which are very you know, nice and, and it, between her and uh, Marcia Gay Harding just yeah, fantastic especially the yeah the, both parents I thought I actually was thinking to myself you're gonna love this mother you Marcia Gay Harding when you were watching you like her mm-hmm. and when from the first scene where she just raised her eyebrow <laughs> and you kind of giggled at it I thought well <laughs> You know, you're going to love this character. And then I saw who was the father, and I thought, well, we're perhaps not going to like the father so much, but... Why? What do you mean? I like him. Well, he plays a good ass, generally. He's the Home Alone guy. Yeah, totally. But, he, I mean, he plays like a... He plays like an asshole, or a... Really? But, yeah, I've seen him in stuff where he's been an ass. Well, he's an ass in in Home Alone. Oh, he's just a fumbling criminal, isn't he? Yeah, but, I mean, you've, I've seen him in stuff where... But in this... It, you know, and even the first scene where you see him, you're, you're kind of told he's kind of rednecky or whatever. But he really, you know, he's not, is he? Oh, see, I totally got the. I just got that he was just the dad, kind of going along with going along with everything. See, he's I totally got the kind of like he was. And her look in and, the beginning, because the daughter does something, you know, obviously rebellious right off the bat, and the mother just, Marcia Gerharding, like takes a deep breath and looks, and her one eyebrow goes up, and yeah. I, I have. Seen that look on my mother's face, where it's like, okay, we'll deal with this later. Yeah, I don't that, know what's happening here, but whatever. <laughs> and there's an interesting, um, you know, that the mother wants her to be into pageants. And she actually does, you know, 
does it to mm-hmm. go along with her. To, but it's not her thing, and there's something... We were just talking about this the other day. The moment in your life when you stop being a little kid and realize, oh, crap, I don't have to do what everybody tells me. I said that to you the other day. Yeah, you did. And that's exactly the moment. Like, when that moment comes, because it came for me, a very specific point. (laughs) I remember the day I I had the dawning of, hold on a second, I don't have to do what these people say at all. Like, there's no repercussions. I don't have to do it. So I'm not going to. And there is a distinct moment. I'm sure, I don't know if everybody. Has I don't think they do because I think some people moment. are so afraid. Some people never shake that feeling no. of having to go by all the rules and do what everybody tells you. But this is one of those moments when the mother and daughter are both realizing, okay, this daughter is going to do her own thing, and how am I going to deal with it? And you want to? She wants to protect her, and the daughter wants to do her own thing. There's not a lot of contention here. It's a good balance between um, the mother's not too severe no. the daughter's not super rebellious it's not like over the top at all no it's just pretty standard it's mm-hmm. not there's no like it's not like she's going out shooting up heroin in now somewhere she's just been a roller derby she's, yeah she's not been getting pregnant like yeah, in yeah. Gino yeah, or, yeah. You know. but um I, I don't know it's just absolutely fun the actual stu- the the scenes the um roller derby scenes were really well done too mm-hmm. I mean I was having a blast with those parts. I mean, it's kind of semi-gritty, not gritty, but it's not glossy over no, too it much. Isn't. You're kind of in the middle of it's it. All, it's, it's almost like um, it's really well, like the set is brilliant and everything, and it's really well choreographed. But it's not like something like Blades of Glory, where it's like absolutely Hollywoody. It's not like that. Mm. I mean, it's like the cameras in in following them around, and it's not always framed. So you can see everything. Exactly. You know, I did like that about it. Because at first I was thinking, I don't understand roller derby, even though they just told me what the rules were. I need to see it. And then the scenes came on and I was like, I can't really tell where people are. I don't know who's scoring. It's not immediately clear. It is later on. Except for the bat guy who's a... Yeah, the guy saying stuff. (laughs) And I think that's actually part of the joke, isn't it? That you don't really... In real life watching it, you probably... There's a lot to. There's a lot of. No, I think it's. I think you get. Because even the it. even the guy says the uh, commentator guy uh, that you you don't have to keep the score. We do that for you. Yeah, like, yeah. As though it's you know. But um, I liked the roller derby. I thought it was really good. But it's not the roller derby that makes the film. It's actually some of the dramatic scenes, which take place around the sides of it. Would you say? One of my favorite lines, of course, is, "You're so full of shit." I just oh, yeah. love that. I won't say what the context is, but I just that was a for me almost exactly the same kind of conversation where it dawns on you, I am old enough to say what I think and what are you gonna do about it? Yeah. I mean my mom never spanked me or slapped me or anything like that, so I was never afraid of my parents. I was never afraid of my mother. I wasn't afraid of her judging me or anything, but you still held on to a certain amount of like when you're a kid, what you you know, you got to do what you're kind of expected to do, and then it just your head clears or something. The fog lifts, and you go like, "You're just, you're just nobody really in the whole of the world. You just happen to be my mother, but you're not right all the time." Yeah. So right now, even if I'm wrong, I'm still gonna do what I want, and that the shit hit the fan, and. We'll see how it goes, you know. And it's this that moment, and I like that. It brings that up in your mind. Because the scenes are really well done between them. They're brilliant together, I really think. I actually think uh, anybody who is on the 
um, screen with Ellen Page when she's doing her thing. Anybody who's like anybody's got a scene with her, they're the best scenes. Like her and a friend, her and a dad, her and a mom, her and a little sister. Any Even of, Juliet Lewis, that one was yeah. She her, was better with the, just the one-on-one of them than yeah. I think she's. And that one scene I thought was interesting, you know, Juliette Lewis's point at her age, you know, 36, and you were like, yeah, right, you <laughs> yeah. wish. And then, you know, uh, Ellen Page is supposed to be 17, and the context of the conversation is almost as if this older actress is telling this younger actress, and the younger actress is saying, to, you know, kind of the thing, but in this context, it's an older roller derby chick and a younger you know, and I thought that was a real... I like that scene. Remember when they talk, said to Julia Lewis, like, when they were doing the script and they said, you're going to have to say... How old is she really? Like you're that. going to have to say, uh, I'm 36. Do you think they were like, what can we get away with? What's the, what's the border <laughs> I, there? I'm maybe the, she is 36. I, I believe she's over 40. I mean, she has to be, surely, right? What's her name? Juliet Lewis. Yeah. Where so, is she? Here's the fascinating part of the podcast where we look up part of things on IMDb. <laughs> well... People gotta know. It's 1973. Oh, she's not much older than that. No, she's not. She just seems. Yeah. She seems. I seem like a. She's been around forever. Forever, yeah. So she's five years younger than me. Yes. And that's that's right. Yeah. Oh God. So there you go. We were over. We were judging her incorrectly, but still. All right. So let's move on to the cast of this movie. So as we said earlier, we got Ellen Page as Bliss Cavender. Um. I think she's she is the movie. Like I can't, you know. It's it's. I really like her. And it's not. It's not. It doesn't like. Cho- you don't choke on her being this young teenage alternative-ish girl or anything. There are moments when you you fear. It's not it. quite so over the top as Juno, though. No, I mean, not at it's all. It's not like she's. It's not the, as talkative. No, and the you know not like like in Juno, she's like got all this smart smartassness to her. This girl hasn't. She's she's kind of wise, but she, you know for years. She, but she's. She's not a smart ass, no. is she? She's just a straight up girl who's trying to figure out what 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 comes next for her. You know, does she yeah. keep doing the pageants or is there something else? How did they how did she figure out oh there was a mm-hmm. they came into the hot topic or whatever, didn't they? Oh. It wasn't hot topic. What was it? Uh Army Surplus. Right. I was thinking Oh no, it was not. It was a place where you can get bongs and stuff, so it's like an alternative shop. Yeah. But it wasn't hot topic. What did she call it? A head shop. <laughs> I'd never heard straight of that. Straight out of the seventies. Right. So uh, yeah, um, I don't know what have we seen Ellen Page in apart from Juno. I've seen something else with her in. Yeah, I forget though. Yeah, so do I. Um, hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I feel like it was a horror movie, but possibly not. I know you don't want me to look on IMDb, so I'm not going to look. Then we've got Alia Sharkat as Pash, who's a friend. Really um, good. Really somebody funny. I didn't never wasn't familiar with, so it was interesting to see an like a new actress, in my opinion. I mean, she's been on television, but um, they work really well together. Really well. Like, it was like a, like they'd been friends for since they were tots. <laughs> yeah, she had some of the best. React. She was really good. I yeah. would like to see her as a starring person. Yeah, and she has some good scenes of her own. Oh, really good. Yeah, um, Marsha Gay Harden as Brooke Cavender, um, putting on this fantastic accent, which I'm not. I think that's how she. I think she is. Oh, from she the South. really talks like that. Similar, I think. I don't know. I swear, I've just I've heard s- her talking. Very vanilla American, like when I hear her in interviews. I don't know. I've seen her in lots of movies where she plays Southern accent, so. And she plays the mother well, of she's really <clears throat> Ellen Page's mother, um, a postal worker. She's really awesome. In a small town. Small town. I love her. Very standard 
you know, we've seen mothers like that. Everybody But she's... Has. The subtlety... And I know this sounds really obnoxious, but I'm telling you, there are moments... She's probably she a mother. She does nothing but takes a breath or turns her head. And yeah, it's dawning in her mind, whatever her acting thing is. Like, I identify with this moment. Like, she's... She looks like a really bland mother. She wants her daughters to be in pageants. She works for the Postal Service. And yet... You know, she smokes by the kitchen window, and she says, "You know, I have more interesting things about me than you realize." And you, re- you know, you one, know one of my Page favorite is- parts is where Ellen Page tells her like a critical thing, and she kind of takes a breath and she goes, <laughs> walks away, and she goes, "That's a lot to process." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she has to get a cigarette, yeah. which she never yeah. does. This is a lot to process. Yeah. So yeah, she, you She's know, really- you can buy her as a mother. Um, Daniel Stern is the father, who's the Home Alone guy. Who what else is he in? You said he plays an ass all the time, so I guess you have something he's in been, mind. He's not... I think you're he, thinking of Dancer in the Dark, which wasn't him. He's not in Groundhog Day. He's not. Who's the guy in Groundhog Day? You mean the, the cameraman? Yeah. That guy from David Letterman? Yeah, different guy. Right? Yeah, different guy. Um, but yeah, in this is really good. Um, and the, this, there's a scene near the end, which I won't give away, where he's mm-hmm. it's kind of inspiring, which I really liked. Um... Because I didn't expect it to come from him. Like, I, like I, I didn't see that part of the story coming, if you know what I mean. I mean, you can when you think about it. Yeah, of course. But it kind of... I was like, oh, really? That's a good way to take this, you know? Because then um, the parents, you know, understand... I mean, parents have to understand that not all kids are going to do exactly what you want them to Not do. all? How about any? Or any. <laughs> but what they do do... it. It's possibly worthwhile in some way, right? You know, and roller derby might not... But it's funny that every story you tell that's fiction and every story you hear in real life, almost every story, parents of a certain type, not every parent is going to be like this, but they have in their mind the straight line. You grow up, you go to school, you get a good education, you get a job... You look right. You don't have tattoos. You don't do your hair crazy. You dress right. You act right. You go on this straight line. It's like a. It's like it's somewhere our Western culture or some culture has drilled that into us. And no, hardly anybody fits that. Now, even if you follow that in your life, that doesn't mean that's you. No. You might be so frustrated that you're a drunk or a drug addict or you're just miserable the whole of your life because you're following that path. So every fictional story that you hear or they read or you're watching a movie where somebody's trying to break out of that, everyone inside just cheers a little bit like, yeah, I don't want to go on the straight line. I want to be the... And I don't think anybody goes... And that's why I was saying, like, you know, the girl who Ellen Page plays when she says alternative to what, that's a good point because, no, there's kids like that all the time now. It's not an alternative thing. It's like... Half of the kids are like that. So what is a different... What? Why are we different? You know, what makes us different? And why Why do some people fall into the Want trap of different. the football guy and the cheerleader woman and then you go to college and you Yeah, become... like, is it is that because they're just led into it and they don't have any mind of their own? Them? Or is that because that well, that's what they want? Like, actually... Right, because you might be the daughter in a family of people who think of themselves as alternative, but you want to be the cheerleader. Yeah. And you want to be the prom queen and your mother's like, that's a bunch of shit. And then you're, you're being be... the different one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, what, what is different and what... So why do we is? keep telling the story over and over? Why do we all it's do this? It's just because it crops up in everybody's everybody life. In. Yeah. yeah. That's why. And it is a really common story. I mean, 
I can't tell you the amount. You know, if yeah, you, yeah. if we had to go through and write <laughs> down movies that are like Whip It, but with a different subject matter, there's a lot of movies because oh, yeah. you feel like you've seen it, and that, even in your own life, you've seen it a million times. Well, yes. <laughs> I haven't exactly followed a straight path in my life. So we, me neither. So we've got um, Jimmy Fallon as Hot Tub John, Johnny Rocket. He, it's, it's, he's just being funny. It's not like a cameo kind of. He plays the. Um, it's not a cameo. He's in the whole thing. He, he is in it a lot, but he plays the uh, guy on the microphone. Like, let's get rid. Yeah, well, I can't say that without paying somebody some money. No. But let's get ready. You don't have to pay. Let's him. get ready to fumble. Ants and Dyke. <laughs> so, let's get red rumble let's get red rumble okay I'm told that <laughs> so um yeah Jimmy Fallon he's, he's, he's pretty good yeah when he first came on the very first like five seconds I was like oh my god that's gonna be really bad but I kind it was of funny yeah. yeah and it wasn't overused it was just clip flash of him more what in the background than, yeah so yeah I thought he was fine being there um one, my favorite Kristen Wiig who I think is awesome like in everything I know you love her I don't know why either she was different in this one too she wasn't the same sort no. of deadpan no she wasn't she no. was good good in fact she wasn't funny she was she was funny in that sort like when she's saying to her about crabs and then she goes have you ever yeah. had crabs and that was the deadpan my she, doctor she did the deadpan thing my doctor yeah. said it's really common but um okay and then she have you sort had crabs? of looks and then she turns around <laughs> she's just really funny that's what I'm saying she had the de- she did do it slightly but then her part actually calls for some dramatic acting, mm-hmm. which we don't, we don't really see from her, and it was really good. It was you know, good. With, I'm, t- I'm talking about with the kid in the yep. car. Um, I love her. I want to see her in, in a movie where it's her. Yep, I do too. I really do like. And what did we see her in? Um, Extract, where she was. She was in Extract, right? As was the she? having an affair with the. That was that was yes, where, it was where I saw the most of of her. Like. Yeah, and she wasn't the dead penny person then either. No. You know what I mean? She was just the wife. I just want to see her. I, I think she, like Tina Fey, had her she own movie. She totally could totally carry a movie. Yeah, I do, totally. Um, sexy. So, um, <laughs> then we then I've wrote down Zoe Bell as Bloody Holly. Oh, by, by the way, Kristen Wiig was Maggie Mayhem. Uh, these are the roller derby names, which is what they refer to in the movie. Zoe Bell is Bloody Holly. Now, Zoe Bell, if you don't know who she is, she was the stunt woman slash actress from... Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. That's where she became... She also did stand in for Uma Thurman on... Um, if you're about to say became famous, but you're having to explain who she is, apparently she didn't yeah. become very well, famous. She also did stand in for Uma Thurman on Kill Bill. Um, she's a stunt woman. Um, Australian or New Zealand? I think she's Australian. And um, she's also, she's been in kind of a lots of little different B-movie, grindhouse type things that have come along. Um, I think she's a terrible actress. I really do. I, I actually... I, I, it's not her accent. No. It's just her. She's like... She sticks out, which she shouldn't in a... in a. If there's a group of people and she says something and you're like, oh, you feel repelled by it. People act like she's more 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 of a big deal than she is to me. And no. in the movie, she gets away with just being like... It, it is. She stands out totally. Now, I've seen the documentary about her and... In Hollywood, she is like the premier stunt, stunt woman. Yeah. Um, not just like a, you know, there's not many stunt women actually. She is one of the biggest, you know, she arranges stunts, she does the whole thing. But I think she should stick to that, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, because like a lot of the stunts Or relax. In this, she just needs to relax and not try to be so... I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's, it actually, 
it's hard to put your finger on, but it was the same in Death Proof. There was a there was a thing in Death Proof where they were all sat around a table talking, and every time she, she opened every time she opened her mouth, I thought I thought it completely detracted from the entire thing. I kept losing it, like, and you know, it's I don't know. It shouldn't happen. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger it's on hard, it. It's hard, yeah. Um, but she's in it, and I assume she does some of the stunts. Can't really tell. Mm-mm. She could have been the stand-in for Drew Barrymore at points. I don't know. She's really tall, though. No, I think Drew did her own, looked like, to me. And speaking of Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore's Smashley Simpson. And she's kind of like a clumsy-ish kind of... Well, not clumsy, more no, as she's violent. rough. Yeah, yeah, she wants to beat the shit out of everybody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I love Drew Barrymore. I really, I really do like her, you know. I didn't so, buy it, but whatever. Well, this was just a... Her, yeah. In fact, her... Her role actually didn't have any meat to it, did it? No, no, no good acting. You're supposed to get the idea though that she's really this rough and tumble, yeah. like beat the shit out of anybody who comes along. And but quite I, carefree, also. It like was a little the- too, yeah, it was a little too put on. But then again, you think she's directing and acting, so maybe you know, who knows? Right. Then Juliette Lewis um, plays like the baddie, Iron mm-hmm. Maven. <laughs> Iron Maven. And she had her moments that I, weren't great either. I, but no. I, I really like Juliette Lewis. I always have. Um, Natural Bond Killers being one of my favourites with her. Um, she's... You know, when talking about that alternative thing, she, I, th- I feel that she is genuinely different to people. She There's just something about her that's... It's not, just kind of like, fuck everybody. Yeah. Attitude. <laughs> very, like, yeah. you know, very non-Hollywood to me. But there again, she there crops she up in Hollywood films all the time. Like So it's, you know, but... I like her. She's, she's like really buff in this movie. She's like got muscles on her chest. Did you see, notice that? Those are breasts? There's no breasts. <laughs> just like pecs. Like it's like pecs with nipples on them. <laughs> the breasts have are gone. Are you saying she's turned into a man? Something's going on. Did you see it? You know, she had like a real no. skimpy, like um, low cut. I saw boobs. Comes down. No, she, she was she was buff, man. It looked like she'd been weight training to the max on the. She's top. in a band. Maybe she you know does a lot of. Yeah. She plays guitar or drums or something. She's a vocalist, I believe. Oh, she. Yeah. Um, and then Eve plays Rosa Sparks, which Not Rosa good. Sparks is a good name, but no. So is Smashley Simpson, which I find is interesting that they would take someone a little bit off the beaten track, like track like Ashley Simpson, yep. and make a name out of it <laughs> instead of like you know. So, Britney no, Sweet. Eve is Rosa Sparks. Anybody, she's just Eve. I Not mean, good. Just talks. No, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's 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 another the, one of those that takes you out of the it's moment. It's alongside Zoe Bell. Them two together. Because it's like, oh, we've got Eve and Zoe Bell. Let's just let them do and be however they want to be. Thank goodness everybody else makes up for that. And then there's a lot more people in this movie, but finally I listed, and this is their coach called Razor, and it's played by Andrew Wilson. Now... All the way through, like you, I kept thinking, I know this guy, but I'm not sure where that from. Voice, uh, that voice is Owen Wilson's and he voice. Plays, he and plays this kind of like hippie-ish kind of... Coach. Coach for the, for these roller skating girls. And it, skating's his life, man. It's yeah. his life, you know. And he's kind of, you know, hippie-ish. But he wants them to win, and they don't win. And he's and got a good he hat. He sounds exactly like, now that we know, and you don't his know, brother. you don't know who he is, and yeah, he's the brother of uh, Owen and, and Luke, Luke Wilson. Wilson. Um and I the other one who's the director guy and I've never seen him before um who's the director guy I thought they had a brother who's a director no Wes Anderson's the Wes friend. Anderson right he's right. not the brother he's the friend <laughs> they're <laughs> all the called, same he would be called Wes Wilson right? <laughs> they're all the same they're all the same person um but yeah I really like this Andrew Wilson guy because I wasn't 
100% familiar. I mean, it could have been Luke Wilson for all... You know, they could have put anybody in the part. But this guy, because I didn't know him... I liked him. But I felt like I knew him. It was weird. It was an odd thing. That but, voice, I'm telling you. If yeah. you closed your eyes, you would have swore you were listening to Owen Wilson. And uh, directed by Drew Barrymore. And I normally have brackets here and tell you everything else that they've directed. <laughs> and she hasn't directed anything. But you know her from Poltergeist. E.T. Not Poltergeist. Not Poltergeist. Not Poltergeist. What kind of mistake is that? Up to... Firestarter. All kinds Uh, of stuff. Charlie's Angels. All kinds of stuff. Uh, I I bet there's... You can only remember a few. Mm -hmm. And uh, I bet you there's 30, 40 movies she's been in. Maybe. Um, So DVD extras or Blu-ray extras in this case... um, Not much. Are not many, but... um, The movie looks great. I've got to say that. I've also got to make special note to the soundtrack of this movie is great. I actually want to go and get the soundtrack. And that, you know, doesn't happen with every movie, but there's some great mu- music in here. Um, a lot of p- punk stuff and a lot of 80s stuff. It's quite a good uh, soundtrack. Anyway, the... Um Oh, includes a portable digital copy of Whippet. And anyway, you get a Blu-ray disc, comes with a digital copy and the movie itself. Two discs. Um... You also get these extras, which are not that many, as we just said. Deleted scenes. There are quite a few deleted mm-hmm. scenes. And I actually liked the deleted scenes and didn't feel like... I felt like they would have been fine in the movie. They didn't I feel... I think. I mean, they didn't really do much. And it kind of... I don't know. I, I like the one with the girl jumping jump yeah. in the dumpster. <laughs> that was funny. thought that was really funny. Um... And then there's like a very small... Now, normally on these Fox um, Blu-rays and stuff, you get these Fox Movie Channel... It, it kind of helps that they have their own movie channel thing where they can, sh- you know, give you the extras from there. Um, and there's this Fox movie channel thing, which is called Writer's Draft, which is the author of the book, Shauna Cross. It interviews her. And I thought this was going to be a cool, in-depth thing, but it turned out it was like three, four minutes long. There was nothing to it. Nope. And she wasn't really that informational. I felt like it well, could have been... Well, I felt like it was. I mean, you found out who wrote it and that she was actually in Roller Derby and that she was trying to write But I felt like it could have been a... Fir- like the one when we watched Jennifer's Body and it was mm-hmm. the one with... The interview with um, Diablo, Diablo Cody, which was like a full 30 minutes and I felt like I got a lot from it. This one, I wanted that. That's what I was getting at. Um, you found it amazing. And then there was... Nothing else. Nothing else? Nothing else, no. Um, no commentary? Nope. Wow. No commentary, no nothing. So, um... Drew Barrymore, what's up your butt, girl? Hmm, interesting. So, um... In conclusion... I think it's an excellent movie. I would definitely re-watch this movie. Revisit it down the line. Because... I don't know what it is about it. It's really hard to say. Because, like... It's not... The greatest thing ever. Mm-mm. You know? And it's not... It's definitely the sum of... A lot of really good moments. Yeah. yeah I felt like I'd had a good it. time. and Yeah. Even the, even the very end part, where it goes after the credits yeah. and Young MC, young, they have see they have Young MC at the end doing the know how uh, rap, with some, like outtakes. Even that, it's like a feel good thing with like this eighties style, um, reminds me of the Sex Pistols cover, title cards that they keep putting up. Even that whole part after there, I felt good. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think they did a good job. I think it was music. You know, throughout the the soundtrack, yep. really well chosen soundtrack, really decent choice of actors apart from a couple of ones. I can imagine those ones that we don't like, Zoe Bell and Eve. They probably do sound like a good idea on paper, though. 
when you're doing a role. Well, that's what I mean. Movie. They're trying to be too cool for Hollywood. That look at all these yeah. fam- fam- like look. I'm Drew Barrymore. I'm directing my first movie. My movie company is making this movie. Let's get and look. I've got my friends or people I know, and they're big names, and we can attach strong them. women. Yeah, and unfortunately, not all strong, successful women in Hollywood are good at acting. No. <laughs> Let's and, just face it. And this movie is the <laughs> prime example, good example of that. yes. Yeah, so in conclusion, I really, really liked it a lot. I expected not to like it. I was not looking forward to it. In fact, when we sat down downstairs, the only thing I was thinking was, well, I haven't seen a movie for a couple of weeks, so this will be nice, I guess, but mm, whatever, I can't wait till we get to the next one. Right, and, and then it started, and it was the first thing with Marcia Gay Harding, and I was like, "Okay, I might be able to put up with this." <laughs> See, I thought it was going to be that was my point. I, was, I thought it was going to be fairly lame, run of the mill, Blades of Glory slash. Um, well, I didn't think that's like a farce. I didn't no, think I don't. Like I mean, like a sport, like a comic dodgeball, like a comic. See, dodgeball wasn't. Um, Dodgeball had a, a story going on, and mm-hmm. then it had its kind of thing. You know, it did have a back to back part to it, with, you know, uh, about the guy and stuff. I thought it was going to be like that, which is fairly mm. lame in my opinion. But no, it's quite quite a bit. In fact, it's more grounded. This had the same effect as when I went into watching Jennifer's Body. Yep. What I expected wasn't what the end result was. That one a bit more so than this one, but. It's that, isn't it? It's That's like, good. It surprises you a little bit, and you come out thinking, "That wasn't." That awful. was good. That was a good time. Yeah. So. Um, that wasn't awful. What a rave review. Yeah. <laughs> we can put that on the. Uh, on the. It's not review. awful. It's not even close to awful. It's really fun. No, it's really good. good. So um, that's uh, whip it. Uh, thank you to Fox for uh, whip it good. letting us review it. And yeah, there, there wasn't uh, no. no Devo in there. I expected it to crop yep, up. We're not going to tell you why it's called with it. You're just going to have to watch it. Yeah, exactly. Figure it out. So, um, thanks to Fox, uh, I say definitely it's a, a buy in my opinion because I definitely would revisit this one just for a, if you are a feel good movie, like to go back and you know have a good laugh and listen to some good music, yeah. watch some good performances. I think it's a good one. Um, so, thank you to Fox uh, contest. We've got a few contests on the site. And next week's review, which is not next week's review, it's actually a couple in a couple of days' time. It's going to be posted on Wednesday. But we're actually going to do it. But in, for us, in, in the internet minutes. time, <laughs> it's going to be in 20 minutes. But that will be Matt Damon in The Informant on Blu-ray. Um, movie recommendations for this week slash now. Today. <laughs> Today. Uh, I am going to recommend... These are totally unrelated to Whip It, but I'm going to tell you to... Um, I wondered. I'm just, well, it's just movies I've seen recently that I want to recommend. So, first one being Matthew Broderick in the original War Games. I watched it on Netflix, uh, Instant Q, and they've got it in high definition, which is awesome. Like, because I didn't think it was the kind of movie that would be in high definition. It looks amazing, and I never knew that Michael Madsen was in it. Michael Madsen. I was watching the movie, the very opening scene, if you remember, of War Games. The opening scenes. Uh, it shows you how secure the bunker is where the two guys go into the bunker mm-hmm. to man the keys to set off the nuclear missiles. So there's like two guys. Yeah, yeah. One of the guys is Michael Madsen and he looks about 20 years old and he was looking directly at the camera and saying his lines. I was like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? I went and looked him up and it was Michael Madsen. So that, I think it might have been even his first movie. So I'm just... I actually don't think War Games... It's kind of aged badly in a technology kind of way 
Because watching it, me being a computer into computers, it's fun to watch in that respect. I mean, it's like a mm-hmm. telephones on rubber modem thing, sucker. But even though it's not aged that well in the technology respect, it's really ahead of its time in the, you know. But then yeah. again, it's a bit bananas that a kid would get through it. Yeah. And the government don't really... That's interesting. The government, they're new to computers, and we don't they, we don't really know what's going on here. It's up to the scientists. So, you know, a nuclear war could happen like, because of us. But um, it's War Games. Most people have probably seen it. If you really liked it, revisit it. I need to watch Netflix. it again because I haven't seen it for a while. Oh, it's time. so good. And I followed it up with... Shall war- we play a game? And I followed it up with War Games 2 because that's also <laughs> on the instant queue. Uh. And I want that 90 minutes of my life back because that was horrible. Were there pterodactyls on that island? That's what I want to know. What? Remember the scientist guy, the computer guy on the island? It's like a pterodactyl. Yeah, he had a pterodactyl, a fly, um, a remote control plane yeah. pterodactyl. It's kind of weird that back because yeah. like they they run around this corner and there's a pterodactyl in the air, flying. And I was watching it and I was like, "Huh, what, what's going on? What's going on?" And then you see the sign, and he's like a rich kind of guy yeah. who's just playing with his toys on his island kind of thing. But um, yes, there are. And War Games Two, the Dead Code, it's called, is horrible. It's like an insult to anybody's intelligence. It's, it's So that's your anti-recommendation. Because yeah, I'm going to have a, an anti-recommendation you know, later on. You know, if day. you was going to remake or make a sequel to War Games now, in 2000, well, in 2009 it was made, you could make an awesome movie. I mean, look at how, oh, is that when it was made? Yeah, it's brand oh, new. Oh, like, wow. And it's, it's, oh, it's like, it, oh, it looks like it cost them half a million dollars, right? For instance. And... It's just ridiculous. The plot. It's a. They try to tie in like online gaming, like that's how they get. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not good. Oh. Really not. Uh, and the second one I wanted to recommend was a small movie called Graduation, which is also on Netflix Instant Queue, and it's a heist movie about a, a group of. Uh, it's not exclusively on Netflix. You can get it anywhere, but it. You can, but I had a look around and I couldn't even find it on DVD, so I don't know what the mm. deal is. But it's like a. It's from 2006, I think, and it's a heist movie about a graduation day and a heist and high school students and it's really well made um, and very suspenseful and actually really good I expected uh, it's just going to be you know mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of heist movies even the you, bad ones let's tell everybody you love heist movies yeah, of any kind if it's a heist movie I'll watch it it doesn't matter what and this is one of the better ones I've seen it's, it's done quite serious and the actual the theme of it is, I've said to you, it's mm-hmm. about healthcare in America. So make of that what you will. But it's an interesting story. And it's called Graduation. And I don't know anybody who's in it because it was one of those low-budget movies, you know. So your recommendations are? My recommendations are, because I wanted one another one of these kind of, um, here's a team, they may not be great and something happens to maybe inspire them to do better and there are a lot of those which don't turn out to be very interesting but one of my favorites is the original mighty ducks and i just i've always loved it it's charming I it's remember. funny emilio estevez and the group of kids and i mean i wasn't a kid when it came out but i've always thought it was really fun same as this good story you know I mean, it's the same kind of story with the team involved and someone maybe turning around their life and all that. But it's really fun. fun kind of remember it. And the other one is, because it's so bad, I want to remind people that this story of someone wanting to take a different um, journey yeah. in their life and then 
something grand happens where they end up, you know, following their dream, but they stumble on trials and tribulations. I find this movie to be horrible. In my memory, it was horrible. I hated watching it. It's Coyote Ugly. Yeah, I thought no, it was no, shit. Actually, um, I didn't like it either at the time, and I've not seen it again since. And I was trying to think the other day. I mean, we own it on DVD. Um, I don't know why, but we do. But um, I was trying to think the other day. What is the actual story to it? I mean, I mean, yeah, I know that... She's going to the city yeah, to but become what, a singer-songwriter, what, what, and in order, she has to get a job. Yeah, but what then she gets a job in the Coyote Ugly Bar and it's a bar where women jump on the bar and start mm-hmm. dancing and stuff. But what else? In the meantime, she's writing music and she falls in love and, mm. you know, all that stuff. And that's bad. Right, so it's, it's bad. pretty... But if you want to see a contrast... Was it a mugging or something in it? I don't like remember. Like a rape or a mugging. I don't know. I just seem to remember some kind of scene of somebody getting pounced on by some dude or... I don't know. I don't remember. See, that's, that's it. See, we don't... But it's bad. Do you think it's... I'm not saying watch it because it's good. I'm saying... Sometimes acknowledge that some movies are just crap. One of the funny things, though, is it's actually kind of beloved in a way. Like, mm. but that's always um, what's what's the one with the uh, the strippers or? No, no. Oh, you mean with uh, yeah. Yeah, that, Elizabeth Berkley yeah, or whatever? That one is Ber- also beloved, and that is really bad. known as being bad. I mean, but people like it for some reason because it's bad. So. They all recommend it. So our recommendations this week are kind of to do with this Whippet movie. Well, the Mighty Ducks well, mine are is. Not yours are. The Mighty Ducks is. It's a team that has to kind of be rallied together, and mm-hmm. everybody's got their own little, you know. But so what we're going to do this week is um, there's going to be two podcasts: one today and one on Wednesday. Today's I'm going to cover games and A Scully stuff, and on Wednesdays you're going to re- cover Sid Talk stuff. Correct. Um, so let's get into Games and A Scully stuff and then we'll close this one out. All right. So Games and A Scully stuff, I, you know, it's been two weeks, so I've played a lot of games. The first game I've played is Bioshock 2, which is the sequel to Bioshock. You know Bioshock. Um, it's Bioshock again. I felt like it was Bioshock again. I felt, I actually felt like I was playing exactly the same game. Um... I have some problems. One, you play as a big daddy in this um, new version of the game. And you, a big daddy in the first game is one of the strongest characters in the game. In fact... But you have to fight. Yeah, they take so long to beat up. You're like, wow, I wish I was one of those because they're so powerful. Well, you're a big daddy in this new game. And literally, you can get beat, you know, shot at once and die. Which I didn't quite get because right. I, I thought being a big daddy would be badass. But at the beginning of the game, I might as well just have been a guy, like, because I was just getting killed, you know, left, right, and center. So you play as a big daddy. It's several years after the events of the first Bioshock. It looks identical because they use the in- they do use some new sections of Rapture, which is the place where it all takes place. But they pretty much revisit a lot of the first game, and they- it's just the same assets. So you're wandering through the places you've already been through. So there's no mystery there anymore for me. Because, I don't know if you'll agree, probably, we, you saw me play the um, demo of the first Bioshock. When it came out that night, and I went and played it, and you watched me play it, and you crash in the plane, and then you, you swim mm-hmm. ashore, and then you go down into the lighthouse, and things start happening, and you're just like in awe of this new place, and like, what, what could be down here, and how exciting is this going to be, and look how good it looks. It's Art Deco from the 50s. Well, none of that part is in it, in effect in this one because you've seen it all, right? So 
the mystery's kind of gone, and there's a new story, which is it. The new story, the baddie get. This isn't really a spoiler because the first game's like three years old, but the baddie in the first one gets dispatched at the end, and that's how the game ends. So that baddie doesn't exist anymore, and this isn't a prequel; it's a sequel. So they need a new baddie. So they kind of somebody who's mentioned in passing in the first one, like very briefly is all of a sudden the major pro- protagonist in this one. It's almost like they were clutching at straws. Antagonist. To... Yeah, antagonist. They were almost clutching at straws to find a, a link to the first game. But it's not the same company. It's not the same people. Not the same guy, not the same... Well, it who is the same the game, publisher, I mean. but yeah, the people who made the game are not the not Ken Levine who made the original. So while it is it's easily the same quality as the first game, you know, it, everything operates the same feels the same there's not enough difference to make it different for me I mean there is a multiplayer mode which the first one didn't have but this isn't a game about multiplayer it's a story driven game so the multiplayer just seems tacked on also to me but so it's Bioshock 2 I highly recommend it if you liked Bioshock because yes it is more of Bioshock's story but you will get a case of deja vu, I think, when you're playing it. Because I did. And, it, and I was actually struggling to get to the end of it. Because what they do in the game is just make more and more things come at you. And the story's kind of dropped off towards the end. It's actually what's been revealed, being revealed to you has been revealed. Now, earlier on in the game, there is an awesome thing which I wish they would have done more of. And they show you Rapture before the fall of it. Oh, yeah. And you play a sequence as a person in Rapture, and you see a pristine Rapture, how it operated. And you see that for a you know, good five, ten minutes, but then as soon as that's done, you never see that again. And I wanted that. I was like, I want the... I want to see Rapture before it all burst up and got, you know, shattered and there was things, you know, zombies running around. So they kind of play with that, but maybe Bioshock 3 will be... Like that, I don't know. But anyway, that's Bioshock 2. Second game I've been playing on the PlayStation 3 is Heavy Rain, which is the game I've been mm. absolutely anticipating for such a long time. Now, let me say, this game can be spoiled by one word, so I won't say that word, because it's obviously about a killer, and there's people in the game, and, you know... Yeah, don't say, yeah. And don't look online either, because you could get this game spoiled for you in an instant, because... As soon as the name of the person who did it is on a piece of on a YouTube comment or something, it's going to ruin the game for you. But um, Heavy Rain, it's uh, it's an incredible game, but it's like full of um, technical hiccups. Mm. Now, I played it, and I, I absolutely it's a masterpiece in my opinion. It beats his previous one, which was Indigo Prophecy, but it hard locked froze on me three times. It, the sound disappeared at one time until I switched the PS3 off and turned it back on and then the sound was came back again. Um, there was a, <laughs> There's a scene where... It's, this is a really odd scene too. You're a, you, you saw the demo. You know the um, FBI guy with the glasses? Yes. The Ari glasses. Yeah, yeah. When he's on his first day at work, he walks into his... Um, where he's going to be working, the uh, uh, headquarters, uh, police headquarters... And he's introduced to a guy, and the guy's walking down, and he says, follow me, and we'll talk. You're following him, and he's talking. And you've never met him before in your life, and he's going to a press conference. He turns around and says, can you tie neckties? Like, he's never tied a necktie in his life, even though he wears one. And you have to do this quick time event to tie this necktie. Now, 
I tied his necktie for him perfectly and then pulled pulled it and neatened it up. He turned around and he had no necktie and he went, thanks, that was that looks perfect. And there was none there. <laughs> so, you know, this, it's full of these odd little um, glitches, but apparently Sony are going to fix it. There's been a post on uh, a lot of the websites saying that there is a patch in the works and there's something wrong, but I I've played through it and it was kind of, you know, ruined yeah. a little bit for me. But the one thing I wanted to say is people can die in this game. Do you remember when I said mm-hmm. to you last week that people can die? Now, my game, everybody died. <laughs> so I didn't get a satisfactory conclusion because I completely messed it up. I made I made a few wrong choices and then I... <laughs> this doesn't have a save system where you can roll back because they want you to experience right. the game, right? So, so when somebody dies, that's it. They can't be a part of your story anymore. So I made a couple of wrong choices... Um, one was not my fault. Um, there is some... It also, because David Cage wanted to put these cool... You saw it where they put an X symbol shaking above his head or mm-hmm. a triangle symbol spinning around. And then when they get more... When the character gets more like aggravated or nervous, they, they shake even more. So it's harder for you to tell what they say. So it's kind of like a... Ner- yeah, to convey nerves saying. to you. Well, I couldn't read the symbols sometimes, so I ended up pressing the wrong button just because I the interface was failing me. Now, I know it's supposed to be failing me, but, I mean, that got me killed at one point. And I was like, no, I didn't want to choose X. I thought that was a triangle. So that kind of bummed me out, that part, because I lost a major character. So what I'm going to do is play through it again, and possibly you will watch, because I think you love this story. <laughs> it's better than most movies you've it looks seen. looks good. The story is really good. I mean... There's moments that are more shocking than anything I've seen in a movie. Like, awesome. hardcore shocking scenes. Um, and you get to do them, you know? And I didn't see how it was supposed to go anyway. I mean, I saw a version of Heavy Rain, but I didn't see a conclusion. I saw four people die <laughs> in weird ways. <laughs> and then I saw the end. <laughs> so I didn't really see how it was supposed to work. But I guess that's part of the how you wanted the game to be. You make your own game, and my version And then start again and do it again. Yeah, and do it again again. in a different way. But my version was kind of like the most downer-ish movie you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) So that's Heavy Rain, and I think I will play through it again um, and try and make things happen a bit better. Because I think they will the second time because I'm more used to the controls also. Uh, And I think you should kind of watch... I will. I remember it kind of gave me a headache, but I don't have to look at it the whole time. No, I think you should watch it go down because it's like... I think that if you can get so emotionally invested that you will cry in this game. <laughs> I mean, the what, what was the demo? Oh, the demo is investigating the missing child. Well, this isn't a spoiler because the very first scene. Eighth, you well, don't put, tell me anything. No, I'm telling the, the listeners. Well, I can't really help it. I'm sitting right here. Well, I'm saying the very first scene, a character in the game loses his son in a weird way. I won't say how. But, I mean, there's a death of a child immediately. Right. And you're fairly, you're fairly bonded to them already because you've played, like, 20 minutes of mm-hmm. I'm getting to know this family. And it's an odd way it happens. And then the, then the credits come on. And during the credits, you actually feel emotional, like, immediately. So they did something right here. And it gets worse than that further on. Anyway. <clears throat> so that's Heavy Rain, and that's available now. And if you are not bought it yet, I would wait like a week until that patch comes out so it's not spoiled for you. I mean, not spoiled for you as in spoilers, but as in 
freezing and stuff because that shouldn't be happening on a brand new game anyway. On a PS3? No. So uh, that's Heavy Rain. Third game I've been playing is Sonic and Sega's All-Star Racing, which you saw a bit of, which is, like, unbelievable. It's um, <laughs> something... It's, this is a game where I thought it was just going to be a throwaway kind of crappy game. And what it essentially is is Mario Kart with the Sega characters instead of Nintendo's characters. Um, in high definition on the 360 I played it, but you can get it on the Wii and the PS3 also. I played the 360 version. But it's Mario Kart with all of Sega's characters, and I'm not just talking like Sonic. I'm talking like Sonic, um, Billy Hatcher, which is a... You won't know Billy Hatcher, no. but um, the guy from Shenmue, Jet Set Radio, Ooh La La. Ooh La La? Yeah, you know, it's like Sega's All-Stars. That's, that's the deal. And because it's the Xbox version, they threw in Banjo and Kazooie as well, which are nothing to do with Sega, but each platform... Like, the Wii got Mario as a separate character. PlayStation 3 got... I have no idea who they who they got. Somebody from Virtua Fighter, which is a Sega mm. fighting game. And uh, the 360 got Banjo and Kazooie. But it's just a fun racing kart game with weapons where you... You know, silly things where you throw down a boxing glove and somebody runs... Or a piece of uh, cheese on the floor and... <laughs> you know, silly. So... That's Sonic and Sega's All-Star Racing. It's like fairly cheap as well, like $40 instead of 60 So I, it's definitely worth picking up. Um, an Xbox Live Arcade release I've been playing is called PJ Winterbottom. I saw that on the list. Which is really awesome. You would like it. It's a puzzle game involving time. Like you can reverse time. And it's done in this like... Do you know that style at the beginning of Lemony Snicket's? Mm-hmm. Shadow. Shadow box. Yes. Yeah. It's done in that style, the whole game. It's a, it's almost like a shadow box, um, like a stage. And you're this guy, PJ Winterbottom, who's a thief, who thieves pies. He, like, like a, he, he steals meat pies. and a, It's kind of got this weird English kind of old-timey Sweeney Todd kind of, oh, kind of feel Todd. to it. Yeah. So, and, and the, the hook of the game anyway is you have to collect the pies... Now, that sounds easy. You just jump. and It's like a platformer. You can jump, get the pies. It all takes place on one screen. There's pies all over. Now, on each level, you can reverse time and you can also clone yourself. So I can, like, jump up, get a pie. And while you, if you hold down the right trigger, it records you jumping up and grabbing a pie. And when you let go of the trigger, you will do that infinitely while you can also control a new version of you while that one is doing that so in essence you could make one of them kick so like it's like you record yourself kicking and then you let go and then your new self walk into the one that's kicking and that one will kick you across the stage oh, right, I see. so you have to kind of figure out and like in the first level you only get two clones and then you get four clones and you get you know yep I get it you. gets more and more complicated like an Sometimes it'll say, like, you have to get five pies, but only use one clone. And then you've got to kind of figure out, so what do I do? Do I have him throw me? You know, it's all about Sounds manipulating. Time. Yeah, it's an interesting and it's really mind-bending. You, what platform is this? 360. Oh, right. And it's just a Xbox Live arcade game, you know, downloadable. Um, and it's really fun. PJ Winterbottom. Um, now, what time are we? 11? Is it midnight? 
Yeah, no. midnight. Oh, and yeah. I, I just wanted to mention this. I switched on my uh, fatty PS3, which is my older 60 gigabyte PS3 downstairs today. And the hard drive was all corrupt. All my save games, everything was missing. Um, we couldn't sign into the PlayStation Network. I actually reformatted the drive and reset everything up, and it still didn't work. Now, if you're listening, it's probably been fixed by now, but maybe not. It's not an error with your PS3, it's an error with Sony. Because uh, it's the last day of February and it's not leap a leap year. year. It's not a leap year. Not a leap year, but there's something wrong with the firmware in the, or the BIOS chip or something. But it, it's, but it needs 30 or 31 days for a month or something weird that computer programmers would never have thought of. No. And it's every weird. other console seems to have handled it so just fine. So if you fine. turn on your PS3 <laughs> and, it, and it says corrupted data, just go away and wait for them to fix it, basically. Don't use it. They say don't use it, I actually. thought you reformatted it awfully quickly. I was like, you just turned it on and now you're I reformatting actually, without even looking I, into it? I actually wanted to reformat my PS3 for mm. a long since I got my new one downstairs because it had a load of junk on it that I just wanted to start again with. And there was nothing of interest because I'd moved it all to my new slim PS3 which is upstairs. Um, interestingly enough, this bug doesn't affect the slim one, just the big one. Mm. So that's going to get fixed. Um, this week's games is going to be Battlefield Bad Company 2, which is the newest in the Battlefield game. That's out on Tuesday. I'll talk about it then. Um, I watched quite a few Netflix movies while you were on holiday. So I just wanted to mention a couple of notable ones. That- I watched zero movies when I was on holiday. Right. <laughs> I just wanted to, like, a couple of notable ones that I liked that people might want to add to the Netflix. And these are all from the Netflix Instant Queue. So you don't even have to order the discs. Just go on your, uh, whatever you stream it with and watch them. The first one is Hump Day, which is a movie with, I don't know if you remember, like, The Blair Witch Project. Yes. Remember the, the guy called Joshua Leonard? Yes. It's him. And... Another guy who I don't know. Anyway, the deal is they're old friends. Wait a minute, you mean that guy didn't die in the woods? No, he didn't, unfortunately. (laughs) So they're um, they're two friends from yesteryear who meet up again. And the Joshua Leonard guy's kind of like a stoner, happy-go-lucky dude. And this guy's kind of, he's married and he's, you know, as his life. Following the straight line. Yeah, straight line, non-straight line. They They meet up again. They kind of both get drunk together, and they're with this these bunch of people who are kind of alternative lifestyle people who say there's a porno festival going on, and you can make homemade pornos and send it. Now, th- this might sound like a wacky comedy. It is not. It's a real drama, you know. But uh, there's this porno festival, and in this drunk debate, these two guys decide that there's nothing innovative in porn anymore. The only innovative thing they can think of is they're two straight guys. Why don't they have sex with each other on film? Make it clear that they're straight friends who've known each other for years and have sex on film, and that would be something different that they could enter into this festival. Now, the story is them arranging this and not particularly... Well, yeah. They, Don't tell us the whole thing. Well, the story's them battling with this. Yeah, yeah. And how it affects the family, his wife, and you know, and it's really, really an interesting film. It's got some really good acting in it. it actually, feels really real at points. Um, and it's like a little underground movie that 
probably you're not. saying it's better than Zack and Mary make a porno oh <laughs> a million times better but it's not really a comedy it's more of like a what, what if saying. kind of deal yeah, you yeah. know and it's quite touching in parts because you know touching but um yeah but not <laughs> so that's called Hump Day um, another one I watched is called Street Thief which is right up my um, alley it's like a mockumentary about this guy and it's done in a documentary style who is a burglar right. right so he's a burglar in America and it shows you the, the documentary could go on some jobs with him he shows how he robs these places like a robs a liquor store and and then he's going on to do like the biggest job of his life which is rob a multiplex cinema after they shut up for the night he's realised that on a Saturday night there's a lot of money in the safe in there because they take you know yeah half a million dollars or whatever it's a lot because like one of these 24 screen cinemas and they follow him on this heist which is a real yeah heist breaking into this big place and then don't tell us well I'm not it's, it's not a, it's not a it's a mockumentary sure sure but the, I mean it feels the thing is I went into watching it thinking it was a real thing I thought it was like an A and it was an, it was an A and E film and I went into it started because I didn't it just said it was a heist thing and it was a documentary so I started watching it and then it started with this him robbing this liquor store and the camera crew off across the road watching and I thought this was a real thing and then I thought to myself it can't be a real thing because you can't film somebody doing this kind of stuff right. and get away with it and then it as it unfolds and they start talking to him it's obvious it's it's not real but it was entertaining nonetheless if you know what I'm saying yeah because it was the I just love heist things and this was a heist <laughs> thing <laughs> you um, and the next one isn't a good movie it's actually a really bad movie and it's called Bob the Butler and it's Tom Green um, who I really like in this movie about him being a butler for a family and, and the lady who he is the butler for the family is Brooke Shields and Brooke Shields looks amazing for however old she is she she still looks amazing you know what I'm saying but um, it, it's got a really nice message and apparently when I went and looked it up after I'd watched it because it's, it's not good it ended up being on the Disney channel but in like kind of a cut form so if you've got kids it's actually Tom Green and it's safe for kids hmm. so that's kind of saying something because Tom Green's not sure. usually safe for kids but he's goofy he plays with the you know he's like looking after these two kids who are kind of horrors but he seems to bring out the good in them so she hires him but it's like the toy yeah the really prior. really really a lot like that in fact it's almost like the toy's good in fact it's almost like they just decided to redo that aye it's kind of fun if you like Tom Green, it's worth a watch. Um, you know, this is worse. Another one Does I watched... Does that bother you? You know all this. When you touch your leg... And you can't doing... even hear it. Okay. Another one I watched is... Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> another one I watched is A Very British Gangster. Now, this one's amazing. Um, this is a real documentary. This is no mockumentary. And it's about Manchester in England. And this crime family called the Noonans. And interestingly enough, um, I've met these guys and spoke to them in person and this wasn't because I hang around with criminal families but I worked in a sports store and they used to come in and buy the stuff there and my boss I didn't know who they were because I don't really keep up on anything it's kind of weird and they were always real chummy with me because I, I was just these were just dudes and they were buying some stuff and I was jovial clerk behind the store you know 
And my boss came up to me one day and says, you don't want to get too friendly with them guys. And I'm like, what do you mean? I was just selling them some stuff and being jovial, you know? Yeah, but they're the Noonans. You just want to stay clear of that. Anyway, this is the story of the true story. And they follow him around Manchester, a documentary crew. Um, of They're a small-time gangster crime family in Manchester. And they actually are from this particular area of Manchester that one of my friends lived in. And it, the, the documentary is fascinating. It's, it, you, How would you have a documentary made of you if you're a criminal? Well, it, I don't want to give anything away, but yeah, you will see why if no, you watch right. it. I, right. You should watch it. It's really good. It shows you a lot of Manchester, which is interesting. A lot of the sleazier sides of Manchester, which I kind of... When you look at England from, you know, the rosy, touristy, kind of guidebooky look, it's not like that. No, this, no. This is kind of what it is like. And it's very interesting. I didn't... It, it felt really intimate and personal. Personal, yeah. And... Because we should tell everyone you're from Manchester. Yeah, and these guys are like bad news. I mean, they're not even guys that you even like watching it. Mm. That You know, some of the things they say you are absolutely shocked by but it's absolutely fascinating and more fascinating for me because it took place in Manchester and I didn't understand who these people were but I think you would like it too mm-hmm. it's, it's um I don't know it's it felt very real and it also shows you a lot of the real Granada reports news stories on these people as they're doing things so you see the real news footage as well as these interviews with the gangsters on the turf. So it's interesting. Uh, and the very final one that I watched was World's Greatest Dad, which is um, Robin Williams. And it's directed by Bobcat somebody. Goldthwait. Yeah, he's the guy from Police Academy. He makes a kind mm-hmm. of a funny voice. Um, it's If you liked one hour photo, I'll just say this, with Robin Williams... It's kind of in that vein. It's more of in that vein than any of his wacky comedies. But Insomnia. He was a bad guy in that one, too. It wasn't as good. Yeah, no, this is more... It is a comedy, but it's very dark. I mean, there's a point in the movie where you aren't even in it for a comedy anymore. So... Oh, all right. And and the cover is absolutely... The cover shows you Robin Williams with his hands in the air, like, smiling. Like, a real goofy-looking thing. For me, I would have never watched it, because it just looks like another, you know, silly... Yep. Yeah, but it's nothing like, like old that. dogs yeah. or whatever. Yeah, something like that, which, interestingly enough, we Correct. <laughs> um, but no, it's not like old dogs. It's very serious and very weird. Uh, and I definitely highly so recommend So basically, the, the, the moral of the story is when I leave, all you do is sit around and watch movies. No, I watched one a day. And play and videos. I watched a, a movie every, <laughs> every night when I had my dinner, pretty much. And that would be ten the, days of movies. Yeah, and I watched more than that, but they were the notable ones because I watched them bad. In fact, I kept them. They're all in the Netflix mm. clue if you have a look, and I rated them all. Some of them I didn't even get through. I've got to tell you, there were some bad ones. There was one that sounded really interesting about a guy who collects frozen dinners. It was a documentary. It said it was a documentary about a guy who collects Swanson frozen dinners, which I found like that's going to be fascinating. Well, it was actually like a mockumentary, mm. them taking the piss out of people who collect stuff. And this guy didn't really collect frozen dinners, but they kind of mm. made it look like he did. It was just stupid. Like, it wasn't even funny. But I would have been fascinated with a real guy who collects Swanson dinners, wouldn't you? Sure. <laughs> so, no, I, I didn't recommend that one. That was called Never Been Thawed. Um, so, I was going to say, what have you got to say? But you haven't got anything to say right now, apart from what's for dinner. Curry. Sunday's dinner will be curry. 
<laughs> You've got nothing to say. You have to wait. Till I got the nothing next. to say. Um, so wait till the next podcast for that one. I just want to say, I want to remind you about the websites. I'll do this quick: aschoolie.com, sitar.com, twitter.com. You don't you can, need to rush. We're not in a hurry. You can catch us both on twitter.com. If I'll be listening to this, I'll be like, "Why are you talking so fast? Just calm Cause, down. Cause calm we, down." Because we're on the one hour and eleven. Maybe you think of the consumer on the other end, the poor right. person listening. I'll start again. I want to remind you about the websites. I Ace, didn't say start again. Ascully.com, SidTalk.com. You can catch us both on Twitter.com. That's Ascully and SidTalk. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube, mini reviews from you. Uh, Zoom Marketplace. You can subscribe to this podcast or iTunes Music Store. Or just go to Ascully.com, click on podcast. All your options are there. Email feedback to me at Ascully, Ascully.com. You're speeding up again. Don't email any <laughs> feedback to SidTalk. And I just want to say, uh, stay classy, Drew Barrymore. And I'd like to see another Drew Barrymore directed mm. movie. And I'd like to say, well, I won't say anything this time. No, you have to, because it's signature. Okay, you know what I'm going to say. Think for yourself, people. Think for yourself and don't follow that straight line in life. Or someone will think for you and make you do it. And you'll end up dead without having lived your life. And we'll see you in about two... Yeah, tune in midweek check out your podcast uh, feed or whatever and you might you might find another podcast you will not you mine. will <laughs> <laughs>